Hello everyone and welcome to The Wealth Tech Show. I'm Ian Horn, and today I'm joined by David Davies, uh, Chief Executive Officer and Founder of Navos Technology. Now David's name will be familiar to some of you, uh, not the politician I should add, uh, but instead the former Chief Information Officer at Hargreaves Lansdowne, which is a, a hell of a role to have held. And uh, I'm delighted David can join us. So David, thank you for joining The Wealth Tech Show. Uh, and how are you today? Uh, I'm great and it's lovely to be here, Ian. Um, and uh, a lovely sunny day um, that it is today, and yeah, just really excited, uh, not only about being here today, but of where we are in the industry at the minute. Yeah, and I've got to say thank you for being so polite with your uh, your acceptance of that introduction, because usually we have the lights on and the studios going. Uh, today, I have not communicated very well with our video team, and we have no lights in the studio. It's very basic, yeah. and thank you for thank you for overlooking that. I appreciate uh, I, it. I just think it's a normal technology thing. So, you know, there's a joke in technology that we used to be kept in the dark, you know, kept in the basement. <laughs> so, you know, if you've got a technologist coming today, then you put them in the basement. That's what uh, that's what normally happens. So, uh, you know, keeping keep with the trend. So you're basically playing at home. I think that's the way to look at it. I'm happy here. Yeah, yeah great. All right, well, look, a bit on your background. We'll go into Navos pretty quickly. Uh, but obviously, as I mentioned, you're the former CIO at Hargreaves Lansdowne, and you were there for 12 years. Um, so can you can you tell me about that experience? Because I, un- I understand you you kind of led a digital transformation of sorts and ended up on the board. Um, yeah, what, was, what was your experience? What was your story there? So um, it was a really exciting journey, as you say. Um, and I... I, so I suppose the, the first thing to note, and, and it's a typical thing within financial services, is that you know, there's almost a quid pro quo about people who join in financial services. You know, financial services organizations, I feel, always want experience of financial services. Yeah. But you can't get the experience of being in financial services unless you're in financial services. So, um, and it's something now I feel is changing. But when I started you know, at, at Hargreaves, I did come from outside of industry. Um, I did some work in financial services. Um, with some advisory firms that I was working for in my early career. Um, but I'd started at Hargreaves, um, and I started there, and there was about 20 people all told uh, in the whole of the IT and technology team, um, which, when you have a look at now, is actually quite surprising. And the journey, really, that we went on as a team, you know, uh, 12 years later, you know, I left Hargreaves, and there was all told 500, 550 people um, across two countries just serving IT, technology, and digital. Um, so that journey really was, uh, was, was sort of full of bumps in the road. Um, it was full of challenges, um, but it was full of successes as well. And the main thing really with regards to um, you know, the fantastic story that you know, Hargreaves continues to be is that from a technology perspective, you know, I suppose we, we were interested in not only evolving the technology, but working with the, with the great team there uh, in order to evolve the proposition. So whilst we were there, you know, bringing uh, things like junior ISA, lifetime ISA, uh, cash product to the proposition and evolving the proposition through technology, um, it was a it was a fantastic time. And as you say, you know, spent some considerable time, you know, about ten years all told um, as the chief information officer. So to be sat, you know, uh, around the board table um, of you know of a FTSE 100 organisation for for a long time, you know, was. Uh, was a, a great position to be in. Yeah, and you, you, it seems like obviously you were in that role for 10 years. You took that role quite quickly. Do you think the, the door was always open for innovation and open for your ideas? Absolutely. And I think that is a key part, really, of, like I say, of how those propositional uh, services came to market quite quickly also. And I think, you know, um, Hargreaves always had the reputation of maybe doing things first, doing things quickly. 
and a key part of that really I think is the the innovation the technology innovation was uh, was a, a key enabler but mm -hmm. also a trusted part of the organization so you know to be able to you know work alongside sort of colleagues even from a senior perspective but all the way through really um, the the management sort of team all the way through to the engineers um, I absolutely think it was a it was a key component of, of how the journey of, uh, of Hargreaves could have continued to evolve over that time. Mm -hmm. and, and we'll move on from Hargreaves now because that's that's not what you're doing now. Of course, mm. you founded Navos Technologies. Uh, you're the chief executive officer uh, there, uh, and also that's not the point of the podcast today. We're going to talk about innovation yes. and and management for innovation as well, and how we can create the right kind of culture to help businesses to be on the on the front foot because we work in an environment where yes there's regulation yes there are all sorts of reasons why things sometimes do stay stuck in the past but for wealth management and financial advice where there's so much money going around sometimes it can seem staggering where we're at we could be further forward we could be more innovative we could be using technology better so let's talk about navos let's talk about what you're doing now um what made you decide it was time to leave Hargreaves Lansdowne? Because that's, that's a big career decision. It really is. And, and look, the, the key thing is for me is that I felt that there was a gap in the market. You know, exactly what you say, Ian, with regards to, you know, wealth management, investment management, um, the advisory side. It's an exciting part of uh, the financial services ecosystem. And that's something that I've lived and breathed. For, for quite a long time now, and obviously technology being a key part of my experience and my skills, I really felt the, you know, there was a Navos-sized gap in the market uh, for an organization to not only prov be providing technology services, but also advising organizations uh, on how to deliver technical transformation. But the other point that you touch on, which is really valid and sometimes I think is forgotten, is actually what I would call keeping the lights on in a, in a regulatory environment that is actually quite tough. You know, so sometimes actually you know, standing still, serving your clients when uh, the regulatory um, side of financial services continues to evolve at pace, as well as the propositional side. Uh, so you know, took the decision, leave Hargreaves, start Navos, um, and you know, I'm pleased to say that it's really, it's really going from strength to strength. And you know, that, really, that sort of Navos dream that, um, that we had when we started the business is really coming to fruition. And we're helping a, a significant amount of organizations and individuals uh, and investors and advisors you know, across financial services, not just in the UK, but globally. Um, and yeah, it's continued to be in a, a really, really exciting time. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about that innovation and, and trying to make it happen and, and obviously the, the pros and cons in the industry at the moment. I want to start with a positive because I feel sometimes when I'm talking about these things and talking about advice and wealth as though these people are complete laggards. It's not fair, is it? It's, it's not the whole market. There are some people doing things that are very good. So to start, I mean, when it comes to innovation in, in investment management and, of course, personal finance, who, who do you think is leading the way? Who do, you, who do you think is getting it right right now? I think it's an interesting question, Ian. I think especially because of you know, the last two years, um, I, I don't really feel that there's a lot of organizations who have, I suppose, put their head above the parapet because you know, given COVID, given everything that's been happening, there's been a lot of focus on organizations you know, serving their colleagues and getting laptops at home, having people working from home, you know, making sure that things stay working when you know, the world around us has changed significantly. Um, but, you know, first off, I think we have to have a look at probably A.J. Bell, 
Mm. Um, I've been really excited to see you know their new propositions to the market with Doddle. Um, there's been a significant amount of, I think, positive news that have come out of, out of AJ Bell. Um, and it's evident to me that there's a, a big focus on technology and the advantages that it can make to the, to the proposition uh, at AJ Bell. So I would say, definitely say they're an organization to continue to watch. Um, the acquisition, acquisition of, um, of Nutmeg by mm. JP Morgan um, I think that's a really interesting one to watch as well, just with regards to the potential of bringing, um, bringing that sort of robo-advice, bringing that proposition you know, into sort of mainstream and given the ability then for maybe uh, JP Morgan to do something with that, I think that's going to be an interesting time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also you know, organizations really that I think have been, uh, I think, overtaken you know, the sort of established businesses that have been there for a while, and they've done that again through accumulating the opportunities that technology brings, and that's someone like Pension B. Mm-hmm. So, you know, more and more now, I'm hearing Pension B coming up with regards to you know, bringing efficiencies in in an area that is maybe you know when you were talking about you know an area of sort of financial services is not really seen as innovative. You know, that pension market is it something that know excites us as investors well no but is it something that's incredibly important yes so i think you know, what um you know what the the guys and girls of pension be are doing is really interesting so i think there are three organizations for me that are certainly worth watching now yeah and we're, and we're here to talk about your experience of well actually you, you started a, a yeah you've started a new company in navos you've also worked for one of the biggest companies you know, in the uk in in, in hargreaves lansdowne what do you make of, of culture when you're looking at companies like like Doddle or like Nutmeg being acquired by obviously larger companies? That that's surely going to create some some challenges. How do you think people should navigate that? Well, I think that the first thing is from a structure perspective. I would always have a look around either the exec or the board table, and have a look for the presence of maybe a chief information officer, a chief technology officer, even more commonly now, you know, a chief digital information officer, which is a role which is coming more common. And I think for organizations, especially in financial services, where they have somebody on the board that's able to not only advise, but actually to help steer business transformation using technology at the heart of that, at the same time of the, the discussions around strategy are being had, I think that, for me, is a signpost of an organization that is likely to get it right. Organizations that maybe don't have that sort of technology presence around the board table, um, for me, are in fear of not making the right decisions at the right time. And I would also I'd ultimately have a look at, you know, like a, you know, a speedboat going through the water creates a wake, you mm-hmm. know, and if the technology person or the technology team are maybe you know, two waves removed from actually, you know, how the water's being parted at speed. Therefore, is, you know, for me, is an absolute case in point as to why some organizations are able to move at pace. Because ultimately, these organizations now, you can almost challenge, you know, are they true financial services companies using technology well? Or are they almost technology organizations bringing financial services and doing that well? So when you sort of merge those sort of two together, technology has to be at the heart of, of every business. Um, and it's not 
an afterthought in any respect. So, you know, those organisations that we that we spoke about there, you know, don't come to the market is a it's a technology proposition, um, and being able to integrate that into you know a wider organisation such as AJ Bell is no mean feat. And I would mm-hmm. guarantee that those discussions, you know, from a strategic level all the way through to bringing that to market, there were technology people across that whole journey. Yeah, I think that's a really important point you make there because technology is so often considered a, a standalone thing or a thing to plug into a business with, whereas most successful businesses, if not all successful businesses, are tech businesses, regardless of what sector they're in, you know, except for obvious standouts. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. I, I want to look at leadership now um, because you're mentioning having those, you know, having that expertise represented at board level or at least you know, at, the, at the center of the business. Uh, what do business leaders need to do to to encourage new ideas and uh, and also to implement them because it's all well, all well and good to have a, a conversation isn't it but you might you're, you're going to have leaders there who have no idea about the tech and how do you make sure things actually happen so trust for me is a central part of that um and second to trust is the ability for those leaders um, who may be established in those businesses to be open to challenge and you know, I'll give you one example at the moment, which is I think prevalent, you know, in the industry sometimes that that I see on a regular basis, and it's almost um, cloud. So mm-hmm. if we just take cloud. So for me, you know, there are some uh, there are some organisations, some boards, some people sometimes that are key to some organisations, almost saying, you know, the answer is the cloud. Well, if cloud is the answer, what's the question? And so many times, you know, it's almost, you know, people are then sort of struggling in order to to get the answer to that to that question and to be able to blend the two. Well, leave the answer to the specialists. Trust the people around you. Trust the advisors that you're working with, um, and be open to challenge. So, I think the key thing is for me, you know, and where I see the best results uh, is for maybe a chief exec, whether it be a chair, whether it be the board in general is to be open to the challenge look, of, you know, do we have our business strategy right? And to be having technologists challenge that at the same time that, that, is, that that's being set. Because technology ultimately is, like I say, it's key to everything, everything that we're doing. Um, and the organizations, I think, who are trusting the, the people at the, at the, the top of the, of the executive tree, but also having the ability for the engineers, the analysts, that whole team within a technology, within a digital, within a, an IT team in order to bring new ideas, new concepts you know, to the fore on a regular basis. And I'll give you one example which uh, I heard recently which shocked me when I heard about it, which was um, a, a technology executive was almost uh, stopped from going to an industry uh, tech show because it was in Las Vegas. Right. Because internally it was perceived as, well, because it's in Las Vegas, it must be a jolly. You know, these guys are just going to be, you know, they're just going to be drinking cocktails, they're going to be going to dance bars, they're, they're not actually, you know, going to be, you know, spending surely a, a week, you know, with uh, the world's sort of best tech firms, taking ideas from others, you know, networking constantly and really pushing themselves and bringing those ideas back almost to the UK. And that was something for me that is then missing. Look, there's a trust issue there. Mm-hmm. Because for me, being able to have somebody you know, or people within a tech team to be 
in those environments and bringing those ideas back, I think is it, it would be absolutely fantastic for any organization. Yeah, and if my boss is listening, those cryptocurrency shows in Amsterdam are essential. Um, <laughs> I won't lie, I've been meaning to get along to a few, actually. There's some really interesting yep. stuff going on. Um, do you know what's interesting that what you say there, though, is that in your experience, you'd have worked with some some very trustworthy talent. I mean, at Hargreaves Lansdowne, I imagine you get your, your pick of the bunch in terms of people coming over, at least with a financial, financial services kind of context. It's obviously difficult, though, for management staff, isn't it? Because you've got to trust that things are being done. And when you start a new project, you know, when will it be built by? Well, you know, how long is a piece of string? It's, it's that kind of thing. What advice do you have for people that are struggling to trust the process? Because, you know, you're, you're, you've got highly paid staff building something and someone who doesn't understand what they're doing trying to trust that it's working. I mean, how do you, how do you smooth over that process? I think it's bringing the examples to real life. You know, I mean, if... Um, you know, if you're for argument, say going into you know, going into your supermarket for your weekly shop this evening, um, and you know if it's anything like you know my experience, so you know you can have the grown ups and maybe have two children alongside you. Who's leading that journey around the um, the, the, the shopping centre or the supermarket? You know, if almost you you let the, the children you know, lead you around there, <laughs> then it's almost the case of you're going to stop every single aisle the, the 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 toy aisle you're going to spend an inordinate amount of time you know having a look at new and shiny things and oh isn't this absolutely fantastic and look oh there's something for sing too because that's the new, most recent thing that's out and i've seen that being advertised at mcdonald's therefore well actually you could maybe spend two three hours actually and come out of there with not actually what you what you intended to go in there and technical projects are very much in a similar light as well with regards to you know, if you're allowing other people in order to allow you to go off course, then you're never ever actually going to deliver what it is that you intended to um, you know, to do. So, from my perspective, it's making sure yes, the trust has to be there, but that trust has got to be both ways. So, like I was saying um, just earlier on as well, is the ability to challenge. So, you know, if this is uh, you know, Ian, if if you and I were in mm. uh, were in a meeting now, and it was a case of well, you know, I've seen this absolutely fantastic thing, and we must bring it in, and um, okay, well. I think it's about pushing back to it to say that might put us off track a month. Are you willing to do that, Ian? Oh, I didn't realise it'd be a month. Okay, well, why don't you, we let the team deliver what it is that we've spent so much time investigating? Um, if we're doing it in, a, in an agile way, then maybe, okay, have a look at it when we next demo in two, four weeks' time. Then let's have a look at it. But please, let us do the role and let us do you know the function that we are here to do. Trust us in what we're doing and then when you have the ability to challenge, then please do it at that point. Now, uh, sometimes, you know, especially from executives, some execs can be big, they can be scary. Oh, God, the boss is going. He's just like, well, he said this, that means it. We must do it. No. I think putting the ability in, you know, uh, in product owners, in scrum masters, in the tech team. Um, but look, the key function for me and a key uh, element of success is having business operational people involved in the squads of when you're actually developing especially transformational projects because on the flip side is you can get something that doesn't work from a tech point of view that you hoped that it did so i mm -hmm. would say the trust the challenge but the key element also about integrating the right people at the right time and making sure that you're continuing to develop something which is delivering your end goal not sort of being 
veered off down the sort of down the toy aisle every sort of five minutes. <laughs> I'll admit I'm one of these people that probably quite enjoys the veer down the toy aisle. But um, look, I I also think you've got an interesting perspective because you work as an advisor to other businesses on, on the you know on these types of issue. And how often do you find because when, before we we started this this recording, we were talking about consultants and the traditional view that a consultant comes into your business, tells you what you already knew, charges you a king's ransom for it. And it's a frustrating pro, you know, process for everyone except the consultant, probably. In, in your experience, when you're, when you're advising businesses, do you find that often you're, you're just telling senior management things that their staff were trying to tell them anyway? Does that, does that happen frequently? It really does. Um, and, it, and that's why I, I almost don't like the word and the term consultant because <clears throat> I think it has got a stigma. I've seen that stigma. Um, but all, almost you know, the key elements of frustration with what you say there, Ian, is that sometimes you know, somebody coming in external from a consultant perspective is almost you know, their words of wisdom are trusted significantly more sometimes than the, per- than the people who are actually managing the architecture internally. And that, for me, is just, it, it doesn't work. Because ultimately, once the consultant goes, you know, they come in, as you say, charge a kin's ransom, um, give you a proposal that's got a nice red bow on the top of it, <laughs> and a huge sum at the end of it. Um, I don't like that approach. Um, it's not what we're about here at Navos, which is why you're exactly right. Um, I prefer the advisor perspective. And for me, what an advisor is they enable to do is bring an element of experience to the table. So you're spot on really with regards to you know that that nugget of um uh, of insight that you say with regards to the people internally probably know what it is that they want now from an advisor point of view what we can help with and what i really enjoy doing is then understanding what that route does look like okay so if somebody internal knows okay where i want to be or where the business wants to be in say two years time okay what does that journey look like because actually one of the main mistakes is actually understanding where you are now. Because if you understand where you are now, know where you want to be, actually mapping that journey out, um, highlighting what the risks are, also you know, highlighting things like where the regulator might want to know updates along the journey. Sometimes that's forgotten about because they won't thank you if you spent two years on a transformation project and you suddenly tell them the day before, actually, I'm going to r- cut the ribbon on something that we've spent two years doing. But in the same way, your staff won't thank you the people in the IT support team won't thank you. So really, it's about understanding what that journey could look like, being transparent with that journey. But from certainly from my perspective, this is where I sort of see the benefit is bringing experience to the table to be able to say almost, you know, I've been through that myself or our team has been through that myself. This is what I learned going through that process. So have you considered X or Y or Z? And I think that's where the most benefit would come from with regards to an advisor over the cons- consultant. Mm-hmm. And, and looking at businesses more, more generally, there's all sorts of conversations been had over decades and centuries about how to structure a business for innovation and for R&D. Uh, you know, in your experience, what works best? Because you've obviously got these, to give two contrasting styles, you've got that kind of autocratic, someone in charge, here's what you should do, micromanagement type thing which might work well if you've got a suitably visionary leader um, and then you've also got the whole laissez-faire you know do what you want work wherever you know take your lunch breaks whenever there's no management structure apparently yeah. how do you actually create a culture of innovation that's effective and get stuff done 
So I would say to definitely steer away from you know that command and control piece. I think it has its place in some businesses. I would say for an organisation that's on a on a journey for uh, true digital and technology transformation, that isn't a place for it. Um, you know, even you know people like uh, Steve Jobs, who have been you know absolutely I think fantastic for our for our industry. Um, you know, would tell you that you know his process for recruitment is to bring people cleverer than than, than him into mm-hmm. the organisation because you know, and it's that same sort of thing with regards to you know if this was a, if we were managing a football team, then you know why wouldn't you want to bring somebody better than the person that you might be replacing, or you know from a manager, you know, so you know if if the football manager used to be a defender then, okay, is he best placed to get the right striker or would he use actually a striker coach or would he go out to market and get advice on that? And I think there's no, there's no real difference really with regards to creating, I think, a, a market-leading team and a team that can operate at its absolute optimum is really by embracing, you know, again, that word of trust. In, you know, if, if I go out um, to market and we look to complement you know, our team uh, at Navos, then... You know, if we can bring somebody in who can introduce new skills, who can teach me a thing or two, I'm all ears. Um, mm. I would much prefer that than literally, um, I explain it almost like the, the lemming way of management. You know, if you just follow the person in front of you, if you just follow the manager because it, they say this is the right way to go, without challenging, who's to say you won't just fall off a cliff like a like a row of lemmings would do on one of those games that I grew yeah. up in? Um, <laughs> Though uh, I played a bit of lemmings. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what's, and I think that's, that's a management style that I don't like, that mm. I have seen, and I think does not bring uh, the best results. Yeah. And, and here's another thing to throw into that, of course, which is, which is uh, demographics and age. Because what's fascinating about technology now is that the generations coming through are digital, digital natives mm. compared to older generations who have kind of learned on the job. I mean, even, even myself, to some extent, I've, I've seen technology come on a huge amount uh, since I was born. So how do we create a, a genuine structure where those younger voices are listened to? Because they possibly have the best ideas. I totally agree. Um, I mean, look, the, the key thing is for me is blending people that maybe... Uh, have the experience I'm not going to use the word uh, older um, but if you've got <laughs> if you've got a generational mix I think that is a recipe for success so whether you're uh, Gen Z or you, whether you're millennials uh, but whether you're you know someone who's been through the mill through experience and for me I'm a I'm a great believer of almost the university of life so you know if you can blend what experiences what you've learned through life uh, with somebody who has got the ability to challenge our thinking, but not only challenge our way of thinking, but surface that through the business. So, you know, if we take, um, you know, if we were to take the challenge now, just with regards to even what Amazon are doing with uh, with greengrocers at the minute, you know, it wasn't that long ago. You'd think that it was absolutely crazy to think that you know somebody could just walk into a you know, greengrocers, pick up what they want, walk out without paying, um, but. Somewhere, somewhere has had the foresight in order to, to challenge, but they've had the, uh, the opportunity to execute on that. So I would say, you know, really that recipe of success is blending all of those people together uh, and having the, having the ability, uh, again, in order to sort of push forward on great ideas. Um, but the one caveat being, sometimes you've got to 
temper the enthusiasm to make sure that the execution is sound. Mm-hmm. And I think that is where experience then will come into the into the fore in order to make sure that sound decisions are being made. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you're in a position now where you run your own business. I mean, if it got to the point where you had you know, a decent sized board, would you, would you ever have someone on the board who's in their 20s? Why not? Um, look, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's one of the things I have a look at uh, at my experience. And you know, there are a few key people in uh, in my career who you know gave me an opportunity, mm-hmm. um, and I'll be forever thankful. And age never came into that. So therefore, you know, in building uh, the proposition that we have here at Navos out, then I'd follow those exact same ethics, really. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd be quite excited, really, you know, if there was, you know, to fast forward, you know, the, the, the Navos Dream DVD a few chapters and there was a, <laughs> you know, there was a, a 20-something-year-old, you know, sat around, um, uh, it'd probably be more like a bar than a, than a board table, but is really sort of pushing forward on um, the art of the possible. Um, yeah. And I, I, I love challenge, so I, I'd absolutely welcome it. Why are you looking for a job? Yeah, go on. Board level? <laughs> board level sound good? <laughs> Can you afford me is the question, David? That's the question. Um, <laughs> but no, I love that answer, um, even the quip at the end. Um, and I also love your reliance on football cliches as well. Like, if you're good enough, you're old enough. That's yeah. brilliant. I think there was something about positionals uh, earlier in management as well. So huge yeah. fan. Um, look, one more thing. Uh, and You've touched upon Amazon. There's always conversation about Amazon and the big tech companies getting involved in finance, wealth management, financial advice. Um, you know, what can we do to, to limit that risk to, to businesses? And, and what do you think we should do to, you know, preemptively prepare? Um, well, look, on, on one hand, you know, why not? But why, why not have, you know, uh, Amazon as the, as the next sort of provider of exciting wealth services in the UK? Because I'll tell you that the one thing that I, that I love about the Amazon story is, um, is that we've got no problem you know, do it anything through Amazon. You know, it's we trust them with all of our personal details. You know, Amazon know pretty much everything about me as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, they know, you know what I watch. They know what I would order. But I love the fact that you know I trust my um, my payment details with them. I can, uh, you know, with through one click, I can find something and have it shipped literally to me the next day. So to take that one step further, you know, would I? trust them in you know buying uh, a tesla share well yeah i probably would would i then like it it was all in the same place so i'd be able to sort of understand well yes i would because it's all about ease that said who is looking at that element of challenge and risk in organizations and that's where i think the risk to more established businesses uh is ever more present because you know we spoke about sort of speedboats earlier on in the water the issue is sometimes with some established financial services businesses they're more like oil tankers you know we only have to have a look at what was it last year or the year before you know one little turn um, of an oil tanker in the Suez Canal and you can you know bring trade to an absolute standstill you know and there are some established financial services businesses globally that you know if they took the wrong term that could happen also within industry so um, my advice really would be for those organizations to make sure that they're innovating make sure that they are asking those 20 somethings or you know those millennials or gen z's or bringing advisory firms in who are challenging the norm because if they don't do it themselves 
somebody else will do it for them. And, you know, sometimes, like we've seen, you know, like Stalin and Monzo, um, you know, they come out of nowhere, really. And, you know, I've now moved to Stalin because I actually love the service over some of the established businesses. So, um, and in retrospect, you know, some of those established banks hope, wish in retrospect that they maybe took innovation more seriously, I would guess so. Because I'll tell you the one thing that is happening is that I'm now seeing a lot of the functionality that I get on my Stalin app mm -hmm. on some of the more established banks. So, um, so it goes back to that point of, you know, of challenge and the best people internally to start that challenge with organizations looking to do digital transformation or to keep alive in the market would be the technical team, the CIO, the CTO. Brilliant. David, thank you so much for, for joining us this week. Really interesting conversation and some great ideas. I think for anyone looking to, to run a business and pioneer and innovate, I think there's loads they can take from that. So thank you again for joining us. And to everyone listening, and thank you again so much for joining us. We'll see you again next week. Thank <laughs> you.